Thank you. I am exceptionally excited about what God is going to do this morning. For those of you that have never heard me speak, I leak a lot. And so um, my husband, my wonderful husband, has equipped me with what will be needed definitely for this morning's message. If public crying worries you, you can be guaranteed that public crying worries me when I'm the one that's doing it more than it worries you. But I will do my very best to speak through the tears this morning. The atmosphere of God is thick in this place. I can feel a tangible sense of his presence. And God is in the restoration business. The word says that he heals the brokenhearted and he sets the captives free. And this morning, in 30 minutes, I believe God is going to do what weeks of counseling could not do, what months of therapy could not do. He is going to rewire, he is gonna shift, he's gonna speak straight through the heart, not because I am doing it, but because he is God and he loves you and his heart is for you and his heart is for your families. So we're gonna be starting in Genesis chapter 12 this morning and we're gonna look at four generations of family from Abraham all the way down to, to Joseph. There are a few things that I love about the Old Testament stories. First of all, they reveal so much to us about the character and the nature of God and his heart towards his people. The second thing that they reveal is the natural tendencies of man. Am I echoing? Okay, let's try. How's that? They reveal much to us about the nature of man. And you know what? It's so much more fun to learn from somebody else's mistakes than our own. So we get some pictures of some very imperfect people being called by God, just like you and me, with the blessing of God all over their lives, just like you and me, that made some mistakes, just like you and me. And we get to learn from their mistakes so that we can do it differently. But the thing that I love most about the Old Testament stories is that there is this magnificent thread that runs through them that shows us that the blessing of God always trumps the plans of man. It trumps man's character, it trumps man's nature because God is a God that is for you. And there is a generational blessing on each of you that you have not even begun to touch. It is immeasurably more than you can even imagine, immeasurably more than you can ask or think. And that blessing is here today. And I am here to remind you of that incredible blessing that God has spoken over you before you were even born, before you had an opportunity to mess it up. His blessing is there. So before we start, I would like to take a moment. Here it comes. Oh, let your presence be here, Jesus. I would like to ask my parents to stand. Mum and Dad, will you please stand? You are looking at my generational inheritance. Two people that have handed down things to me, that have fought hard 
to change the line, to change the patterns that have worked very hard. And I would like to thank you for that. This morning, we're going to look at four families, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And I have got this much information to fit in this amount of time, so you have to listen really fast this morning. In looking at the four generations, I'm going to show you some generational patterns that were in those families. Please note, these are not generational curses. They are purely choices that people made when they could have chosen something else. And it created a detour in their lives and it impacted people in their family because of the choices they made. They were just choices, they were not curses. And I'm gonna show you three patterns that were in these families that I imagine if you look closely might just be in your family as well. The first one is deception. The reason deception was in these families was because they forgot the blessing of God in their lives. You see, when famine and fear came in to their lives, they forgot that the blessing of God was the trump card. And so they went into man's nature and chose to do things, and they could have avoided a whole lot of nonsense that happened as a result of their choices. The second pattern I'm gonna point out to you is a pattern of favoritism. Favoritism is an epidemic in our families. And so as we look at the generational patterns that they had in their families, I'm hoping that we can learn for them from their mistakes. And the third pattern that I'm gonna point out to you, which is a pattern that is in every single family that is represented here, and that is generational blessing. God has got a generational inheritance for you, regardless of your family of origin. If you are a child of God, God has spoken blessing over you. And when you tap into that, even in the famine, even in the fear, it will be the trump card. If you are an intellectual, you can call this morning's message the multi-generational transmission of family patterns. If you are slightly more spiritual, which I hope we've got a lot of you here, you can call it living in the blessing and not the lie. However, if you're me and a woman who loves spring, I'm calling it, it's time to dig out the weeds and be grateful for the flowers. Because that is a call to action. It is a call that says, it doesn't matter what happened, we have an opportunity, we have a choice to do something about it and change the pattern forever. My mother was raised in a family of alcohol. And she made a decision as a young girl that this would stop with her. She never drank in her adulthood. And even though there was so much alcohol and addiction in the family, 
it stopped with her. It was like she took this train and stopped it and created a different direction, which took an incredible amount of effort. But I am living proof that generations can change when people make an effort. She dug out a weed and she was grateful for the flowers. Imagine your life is like a home. And if your house is anything like mine, I've got a wall around it, I've got an electric fence and a remote control to a gate. And I control the access that the good and the bad has into my life. It's called basic adult boundaries. When we're children, however, we don't get to control those things that come into our lives. And my mother was a victim of alcohol that got planted as a weed in her life. She had to make a decision, an adult choice. What was she going to do about that weed? And she dug that sucker up and kicked it out and made a generational change that has impacted my children because of her hard work. In our childhood, flowers also get planted, beautiful things, things like belonging, unconditional love, education. And sometimes we need to identify those flowers and be grateful for them because gratitude changes everything. When we put the lenses of gratitude on our lives, we can look at our childhoods, even if there were weeds there, and we can say, thank you, Jesus, for the flowers. Thank you for what you gave us. And so this morning might look a bit like this. Happily being grateful and sprinkling some gratitude on the flowers in your life. Or it might look like this taking a little bit more effort and making you feel old. But don't let it look like this. When we see weeds and flowers as the same thing and we mow over all of it as if they're all the same, because there are things in your childhood that were planted, weeds that were planted, that God has already changed into flowers. You are a different human being because God is in the restoration business. And when we look back on our childhood, while we will never say, it's what I would have chosen for myself, we can say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you are in a restoration business. Thank you for turning that rubbish into gold and letting me live in a new identity. And so I haven't forgotten that we're in Genesis chapter 12. <laughs> but if you remember anything this morning, I hope it will be this. Don't forget the blessing of God when you live in the famine and in the fear. When you study families in a modern context, we see that patterns have a tendency to repeat themselves. And because scripture is always ahead of social science, we have this depiction in the very first book of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 12, we're gonna pick up the story with the family tree of Abraham. We've got Abraham and Sarah, the great-great-grandparents, and if you remember, they were about 90 and 100, and they had one sweet boy, Isaac, born to them. Isaac then was struggling to find a wife. There are all kinds of things that I would like to say on that, but I will hold back this morning. And so his father sent his servants 
I have an unmarried son. <laughs> so his father sent his servant back to his homeland and they chose a wife for him. I'll do interviews after the service. And she was handpicked, a handpicked choice of God, a match made in heaven for him. And they went on and they had twin boys, Esau and Jacob. Do you remember the conflict between those two boys? I'm going to explain to you why. And Jacob then had a mess up. He picked a wife. He worked for his uncle Laban for seven years. And voila, he was hoping to marry Rebecca. Woke up the morning after. Voila, it was Leah. Surprise, surprise. It's a great story if you don't know it. And then Jacob had 12 boys and a daughter. And the youngest of that was Joseph. You might know him well for his Broadway musical, Joseph and his Technicolor Dreamcoat. So let's start in Genesis chapter 12 and the call of Abraham and the first impartation of generational blessing that they forgot was there when, when times got tough. It says, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, and your father's household into the land that I will show you and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him, and Abraham was 75 years old. It is never too late for the calling of God. So these are some powerful words that we see here. Abraham went. If God told you to pick up everything you have and go on a long camping trip, what would your response be? I hate camping for obvious reasons. I think I might have argued with God a bit. God, are you sure it's me? Are you sure? Wasn't it her? She looks good when she wakes up in the morning on a camping trip. Not me, Lord. Have you not got another plan? Is there not something alternative that you have for me to do? Can we not just do that here? But Abraham went. Powerful obedience from a man of great faith. An incredible man. And then let's see what happened. We're going to skip down to Genesis chapter 12, verses 10. And there was famine in the land. And Abraham went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. And he was about to enter Egypt. He said to his wife, Sarai, they've got different names because God is in the name-changing business. So we see throughout scripture, he just changes people's name, which is wonderful. I think that's another message on its own. God is in the name-changing business. And he says to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me, but will let you live. Say you are my sister, so that I will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. Talk about throwing your wife under the bus. <laughs> and that's exactly what happened. Abraham goes down to Egypt. The Egyptians see that Sarah is beautiful. And when the Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh, and she was taken in the palace. I just create the mental picture, guys, of what that looks like. 
The devastation of deceit and deception, when you forget the blessing of God and his protection that it comes with, has a devastating effect on the people around us. Your deception does not just impact you, it impacts the people that love you and the people that are around you. And what is so fascinating in the story is that it is Pharaoh who does not have the blessing of God, who is not called of God, who does not even believe in God. He confronts Abraham and points out the deceit. What a sad reflection. And how often does that happen in our generation? Guys, as children of God, we are called to honor the blessing of God, to remember it, and to stay away from deception when famine and fear enter the land. Because there is a generational blessing, and with that blessing is everything that we need that protects us in the famine and the fear. What is fascinating about the story and the generational pattern that develops is if you skip down to Genesis chapter 17, and we're going to pick it up at the end of verse 19, it says, then God said, your wife Sarah will, will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. So we're moving on to the next generation here. And the covenant, the generational blessing is established again, and they are reminded of it. I will establish a covenant with him, an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. Everlasting covenant. Everlasting covenant means it's everlasting. It doesn't end. Everlasting, the ING, means that something is continual and it goes on. And what I love most about this everlasting covenant is an everlasting covenant is not dependent on what you do. It is everlasting because it is dependent on the nature and the character of God. Because the generational blessing is always the trump card. And let me remind you, I am here today to tell you that there is a generational blessing over every single one of you that will be the trump card always. So if we look down the story, we're going to pick it up in, Gen in Genesis chapter 6. Tell me if this sounds familiar. There was a famine in the land. Ring a bell? Besides the previous famine of Abraham's time, and Isaac went to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines in Gerar. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. And stay in this land for a while. And I will be with you, and I will bless you. For to you and your descendants, I will give these lands and I will confirm the oath. I swore to your father, passing down of the generational blessing. And I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and I will give them all these lands because through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. Look at these words that come next. Because Abraham obeyed me and did everything I required of him, keeping my commands, my decrees and instructions. We know that he didn't obey everything. We know that. But how incredible is the scripture? Because our mistakes in the kingdom of heaven do not define us. Why didn't God say here, oh, don't forget your, your father Abraham. He lied and he was reprimanded by Pharaoh. 
That didn't happen. He said, your father did everything that I commanded because in the culture of heaven, our mistakes do not define us because there is an everlasting covenant that is the trump card in the famine and the fear of your life. So now it says, I will make your, your, your descendants numerous. And then we go back down to verse 7, I think it is. When the men of that place asked him about his wife, we're talking about Isaac here. Look at his answer. She is my sister. How does this happen again in the second generation? We literally have a repeat of the parental pattern. And why does he think that? The men of this place might kill me on account of Rebecca because she is beautiful. And once again, the wife gets thrown under the bus. <laughs> so the moral of the story is definitely do not marry a beautiful woman. <laughs> no, the moral of the story is when famine and fear come into the land, do not forget the generational inheritance that is your protection and will always be the trump card. You see, deceit always costs someone something. Deception is not something that was only in this family. If I had to ask all of you, if you consider yourself an upright, integrous human being, would you all nod your heads with me? Oh my word, George, I'd be worried. <laughs> I didn't get a lot of nods. <laughs> How many of you have said this last week when asked how you are and you answered, I'm fine? <laughs> Were you really fine? How many of you have ticked, I have read and agreed to the above terms and conditions? <laughs> Anybody said, I'm too sick to come to work today? How many of you said, Johnny was too sick to do his homework? Ladies? I bought, I bought that dress weeks ago. <laughs> Men? <laughs> I'm special. I saved you so much money. <laughs> Men? Wow, you look great in that. <laughs> and a kind friend, don't worry, everything will be okay. I'll be there in five minutes. LOL. <laughs> Does anybody actually laugh out loud when you send that acronym? A few years ago, I was working with a group of about 50 married couples, and I asked them the question, is it ever okay to lie? The answers did not surprise me because I had done a similar workshop with a very rowdy bunch of teenagers. Norse, I think that you might have been part of that group. We were in the Harvest Coffee Shop, and I asked them a similar question, is it ever okay to lie? No, no, it's never okay to lie. Okay, let's see if any of you have lied in the last few weeks. Here's what the answers were. It's okay to lie if the truth is going to hurt a person. It's okay to lie if the truth is going to create conflict. And the third one, which took a little bit more pulling, it's okay to lie if the truth is going to make me look bad or cost me something. That's really what Abraham and Isaac did. The truth was gonna have a cost, and they were afraid. Fear causes 
deception in our relationships, in our families, in our workplaces. If we can deal with the fear, we can get rid of deception. If we can remember that the generational blessing of God is on your life and it brings you protection and it brings you blessing, we will walk away from deception. The problem is that deception prevents intimacy in relationships. Deception prevents trust in relationship. And deception prevents personal growth in relationships. In Psalm 15, verse 2 in the Message Translation, it says, Walk straight, act right, tell the truth. There are no exception clauses there. Not if it's going to make you money more money, not if it's going to create conflict in your relationship. Honesty is a mandate from God, and it's okay to be honest because the blessing of God is on us. So now we're going to go back to the story, and we're going to introduce a new pattern. We've got Abraham and Sarah, blessing and deceit, Isaac and Rebecca, blessing and deceit, and the twin boys arrive, Esau and Jacob, blessing and deceit and more deceit and more deceit and more deceit and a new pattern, the tragedy of so many families today, favoritism. So we're going to pick up the story in Genesis chapter 25 and verse 21. Guys, the emotion that I'm feeling now is something that is welling up inside me to say, this has got to stop with us. We might have been raised in a family of favorites, but we have a choice to stop the pattern and not hand it down. If you look at verse 25 in Gen chapter 25 and verse 27, it says this, the boys grew up. And Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open country, while Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. Jacob, who had a taste, Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, loved Esau, but Rebekah loved Jacob. <clears throat> Favoritism. I'm going to give you some information about favoritism because I think that it is necessary for today's culture where we are in a performance culture and we desperately want our children to succeed. Favoritism creeps into families unintentionally. Favoritism is a usual pattern. It is caused by a number of things unintentionally. One of the things that can cause favoritism in families is birth order. Just the fact that a child is first, or second, or third, or fourth, or fifth, or sixth, there's six kids in my family, can create favoritism. The timing of a child's birth, the life events that happen at that time, whether they're in a good place or a bad place, can create favoritism. Their personalities can create favoritism. Don't nod. Their interests. If you see in this particular biblical situation, it was the interest that created time spent with one individual. The interest created the natural favoritism that develops if you're unaware. Gender creates favoritism. 
Sometimes favoritism is, is created by incorrect perceptions. It is a look at something that doesn't even exist, and it creates a story in our heads, and it starts being repeated. There have been many studies about favoritism. Favoritism creates conflict among siblings. That is one of the greatest things that it causes. And if you look at Esau and Jacob, you will see that they were fraught with conflict their entire lives. They jostled inside Rebecca's room. Eventually, the, the youngest son stole the birthright and the blessing from his older brother, desperately wanting what his father had for his, oldest, for his older brothers. Let's go back to the story and see what happens in favoritism, because regardless of the reason, it never has a good impact. In Genesis chapter 27, Isaac is old and his eyes are weak, and it's time for him to pass on the blessing to his oldest son. And with Rebekah's help, Jacob takes on the identity of his older brother to steal the blessing. You see, favoritism causes unhealthy alliances in families. And here we've got a mom and a son creating an alliance together, even against her husband and her other son. That's what favoritism breeds. And it says here that he goes to his father, and his father asks him, who is it? And Jacob says to his father, I'm Esau, your firstborn. Pattern of deception. I have done as you've told me. And Isaac asks his son again, how how did you find it so quickly? He's gone to get the game and his mother has helped him put the hide on him so that he feels and smells like Esau. And look at what he says here. The Lord your God gave me success. Pulls God into the lie. The ultimate God card. <laughs> How sad is this? And he didn't need to because there was enough blessing to go around. There's always enough blessing to go around. And then Isaac asks his son Jacob, goes through the story, are you really my son Esau? He asks and he says, I am. Parents, we do this all the time to our children. We put on our other children's identity on them and we say words like, I wish you were more like your brother. Guys, we do that to ourselves. We look at the siblings in our family and we say, if only I was more like that. I want to be the big brother. I want to smell like him. I want to feel like him so that I can get my father's blessing. Don't do this to your children. And children here, which is every single one of us, when we tap in to what God has created us to be, and understand our uniqueness and the inheritance and the blessing that it brings, I guarantee you, you will not want to be anyone else because God has spoken something over you before your conception and his blessing will be the trump card. So you would think that these kids would have learned a lesson. And we're gonna skip down because I'm gonna run out of time. Isaac goes, he works for Rachel, he gets tricked, he lands up marrying Leah, and it says that his love for Rachel was greater than his love for Leah. Favoritism, exactly the same pattern that his mom and dad had. 
He now brings this generational pattern into his own relationship. And you would think that then with his children, he would have learned this lesson. But look what it says in Genesis chapter 37, verse 3. Now Israel, his name's changed. Remember, because God's in the name-changing business. Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. Family systems theory says timing of a child's birth creates favoritism sometimes. How simple is that? And you know what happens. Joseph gets born. He gets his multicolored coat. His brothers, with the conflict that arises because favoritism creates conflict within your children, they sell him into slavery. And the cycle just continues. But the good news is that the generational blessing of God turns the muck into gold, and God's plans and purposes always come to fruition.